0: This is the Dan Grossa Show on 98.7 ESPN. Happy Tuesday, everybody. 13th day of February 2024. Dan Grossa Show live in a living color. You know where you're at, right? Do I even have to say it? 98.7 ESPN. Fast show tonight. Quick mover, 30 minutes. We are only allowed tonight. We take it right up until Islanders Hockey. The Islanders welcome in the Kraken, seeing if they could bounce back after a loss in Newark last night to the Devils. So We got that coming up for you at 7 o'clock, but plenty for you and I to get to here over the next 30, and we'll get as many phone calls up as possible at 800-919-3776. Harvey and Joe are producing the program tonight. Get me on the old X at Dan Graza, G-R-A-C-A. Normally you're thinking, well, You know, the dust hasn't entirely settled yet from the Super Bowl, and we could get into some things still, some fallout from the game on Sunday. Unbelievable how many eyeballs were actually on that game between the Chiefs and the 49ers. 123 million viewers on average. Watch that game on Sunday, which is the most watched program in television history. Again, not that it's any real big surprise. It just seems like every single Super Bowl ends up setting the new record for the most viewed spectacle, uh, you know, spectator sport in history, and it just happened again here with the Chiefs and the Niners on Sunday, and, hell, you even got overtime. So, I, I mean, I don't know if there was a person on this planet that wasn't watching the game at any point on Sunday, but I'm sure they found out when the game was in OT that, hey, maybe you better turn this thing on, not just because it's the last football game of the season, but, hell, it's in overtime, and that doesn't happen all that often, certainly when it comes to the Super Bowl. But, hey, everybody was satisfied, we got a good game, and now it's on to the off season for the NFL. But then last night, you know, it was just a just a average Monday night, lonely Monday in February, you know, trying to come to grips with the football season being over and the transition into baseball and spring training with the Mets and the Yankees, and you thought, well, you know, the Knicks are going down to play the Houston Rockets. Right? A couple of more games left before the All-Star break, and you're hoping that they could just get to the break without suffering any more casualties along the way and maybe steal a win or two and stop the bleeding that all of a sudden now they've experienced as the, the loss of manpower is really starting to affect them, I think, on the basketball court. So you have a game last night, and they were going through the motions for most of it, right? It wasn't looking very good. They were down double digits. And you thought, well, you better punt this one away because it's not going to happen. But they're scrappy. They fought. They got back into the game. And then the way that it all played itself out there in the final seconds. I mean, that has got to be as bad as it gets. I don't know if I've ever seen that call in that spot. Made in a basketball game. No way, no how. I, I I, don't care what level. I don't care what part of the season. I don't know if I have ever seen that call that we witnessed last night in Houston between these two clubs. And before I get into the breakdown and to what the hell actually we saw, our pal Woj is reporting, and this just came down, that the Knicks are indeed filing a protest with the NBA to dispute the ending of that game because the league, of course, comes out the day after and they submit that last two-minute report. Plus, last night after the game, you had the crew chief, Ed Malloy, speak to the pool reporter, which in this case was Fred Katz, who covers the Knicks for the Athletic, and he acknowledged last night that the call should not have been made and it was an incorrect call. So you have it on two authorities that the league screwed up, or at least I shouldn't say the league. Our pal Mr. Gobel, who was the one who blew the whistle, he made a mistake last night. So now the Knicks are filing a protest on the game. I don't know how long these type of things take to get situated and to get sorted out, but you know what? Good for the Knicks. Good for the Knicks. And maybe they had time on their side a little bit here. Going into the break, you know that the game is going to be shut down for the next several days, and maybe the league is going to take a look at this thing, and I, look, I, I don't know what they could possibly do. They're not gonna award the Knicks a victory because remember the Knicks didn't have the lead. It was a tie game. The only thing the Knicks would have been guaranteed was overtime. So you say, all right, what are they gonna do? Get the Knicks and the Rockets back on the same floor on a common off day and play the last five minutes of regulation and see what, or I mean the last five minutes of overtime and see what happens? Not gonna do that. So I'm curious to see how this thing could play itself out and ultimately. What's going to come of it here? But it doesn't change what <laughs> went on last night. I mean, it was atrocious. And I mean, we spent the entire football season, which seems like it's tradition, right? Year in and year out. Talking about the NFL on a week-in, week-out basis just being, like, horribly officiated. The league has 48 hours to make a ruling whether or not to play the game over again. But again, there's so much... So they're not scheduled to play again this season, of course, the Knicks and the Rockets, right? So they played their two games. So they're going to have to work on some sort of a common off day. But the hope would be to win the protest, and then you play the overtime period to complete the game. Only six protests in league history have been upheld. That is all according to Woj. The NBA team has 48 hours to file the protest, which the Knicks did. Five days to provide evidence. Of the protest in action after that, the league office has five more days to make a decision. Well, you know what? Here's the thing that's tricky about it. You got to remember this, too. I don't know when they would get around to doing this. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have both of their schedules in front of me here. So, like, when the common off day would be. But here's what I'm curious to know. Let's just say, for argument's sake, they decide to play the overtime period sometime in, I don't know, late March right, like a month from now, six weeks, whatever. Six weeks from now, the Knicks roster is going to look considerably different than it did last night. So maybe that's the angle that the Knicks are taking here because it would behoove them. Like, let's say Julius Randle is back and healthy. Now, he didn't take part in the original game, so does that make him ineligible? Right, like, I don't know about all these guys that didn't play in that game last night for the Knicks. If they're healthy when they go finish the game, are they all of a sudden eligible to take part in that game. I would think not. But the NBA and sports have these crazy rules. Like one game, one thing stands out to me in particular, and and I'm dating myself here, easily like 30 years ago. And it's college hoops. I'll never forget back when John Calipari was coaching Massachusetts and Marcus Camby was still there. And, you know, Marcus Camby was the best player in America. I think UMass was ranked number one in the country at this point. And there was a game, it was in like February. They came to Rutgers and played Rutgers. I remember it very well, of course. A kid, a fan, you know, getting geeked up for that game. They were both still in the Atlantic 10 at the time. It was a conference matchup. Marcus Camby was suspended for the game. Okay? Rutgers had an impressive lead at halftime. I'll never forget that. I don't remember if it was double digits or whatever, but they were in control of that game and they were primed for the upset. Then at halftime, there was a student protest at the rack where like students all like filed onto the basketball court, and it was almost like a sit-in on the court. They never completed the game that night because of it. What ended up happening was the two teams had to get back together on the court at a neutral site, no less, later on in the season. At that point, Marcus Camby, by some miracle, was allowed to play the second half of that game even though he was suspended for the first half. Massachusetts came back and won the game. That, so whenever I think about like resumed games, suspended games, halted games, like that one sticks out to me. Again, it was a long, long time ago, and I don't know if the same rules apply, but it has to factor in because the Knicks are missing a lot of dudes. And if you want to run it back and play the last five minutes with a more of a complemented roster, I'm sure Tom Thibodeau would sign up for that, but I don't know if the NBA is going to allow that to happen. But back to what I was saying about the officiating. The NFL officiating leaves a lot to be desired each week throughout the season. We just got done with the Super Bowl. The biggest stage there is. By and large, and we said this last night, I thought that the refs did a good job in that game on Sunday. You know, there was nothing that stood out in that game to say, well, boy, the officials really missed that call. That really swayed the way that game went. It didn't. Not to me. So then last night, you have that atrocity take place down in Houston with the Knicks and the Rockets. But regardless of how bad the Knicks played all game, right, They were shorthanded, battled back. Jalen Brunson, who by his standards had a little bit of an off night, He still made a huge shot to tie that game up with seconds remaining. You know, the guys that you rely on have to come through for you. And Brunson did that last night. And despite what the officials thought last night, he made a proper closeout on defense on Aaron Holiday. They just saw it a different way. The Knicks earned the right to go to overtime. They earned the right. I don't know if they would have won the game, but I sure as hell would have liked to have seen them try and see what would have happened over those five minutes. They earned that right, and the league took it away from them. Or the officials that were on the floor last night took it away from them. And, you know, at the end of the year, when you're looking at the standings and, you know, they add up all your wins and your losses, they don't factor in style points. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how bad they played last night or how ugly the game was. Right? Ugly wins count just the same as blowouts do. And they had it taken out of their hands did not even have an opportunity to win that game themselves with an extra five minutes. And look, I'm not an official, obviously. I've never pretended to be one on any level of sport, and that is a thankless job, and it's one that I will never, ever, ever want to do. I don't care who it is and what it's for. But as a referee or an official, I would think, or an umpire for that matter, all right, regardless of what sport you are officiating, In the final seconds of a game, don't you let the players decide it? Because the last thing that I would want to do is, like, inject myself into the outcome of a game. The absolute last thing. And the only way that I'm blowing the whistle, or really in this case any official, should blow the whistle in that situation is if it's 100% absolutely blatant, which that wasn't last night. There's no way, I don't care... If you had a dog in the fight or not, there is no way you watched the end of that game last night and say that it was clear-cut, blatant, a foul on Jalen Brunson. No way, no how. You needed a, 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 a microscope to sit there and measure contact. You let the guys play. On a shot, by the way, that Holiday was just throwing up a prayer. And instead, you gave Houston essentially, and in this case Aaron Holiday, three free throws. And all he had to do is make one of them to win a game. That was awful. So you know what? Good for the Knicks. Good for the Knicks that they protested. And we'll see how the NBA comes back with it, but we'll try to dig up a little bit more information here on what the next steps are and everything in the time that we have a lot of. But we want to hear from you at 800-919-3776. And also when we come back, it's more a state of affairs right now on this basketball team. What's done is done last night. What happened happened. We all know that it was egregious but now you got to talk big picture about this basketball team and the shape they're headed going into the break obviously they're not whole they're not a hundred percent but your attitude on them changed because you know what it was rosy just a couple of weeks ago when they were winning nine straight games and Jalen Brunson was the toast of the town we all talked about it and all of a sudden it's a different tune do you just pass that off to well you know what they're not whole anymore I would like to think so but maybe are there other some cracks that are getting exposed a bit Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Pond hockey season on Long Island, and ESPN New York wants you to be a part of the action. Head to ESPNNewYork.com or the ESPN New York app for your chance to win a 60-minute time slot at the outdoor synthetic rink in the park at UBS Arena. Just scroll down to contest and submit your entry. Join the New York Islanders for some fun in February. Take advantage of special ticket pricing for upcoming home games at UBS Arena and be there for every thrilling matchup. Get your tickets today at NewYorkIslanders.com slash Feb, F-E-B. Islanders hockey is coming your way next right at 7 o'clock. They will take on the Seattle Kraken tonight over there at UBS. Grasses Show, 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Now, as far as protests are concerned, if you're just joining us, the Knicks, according to reports from Woj, they went ahead and filed a protest with the NBA after the atrocity that was the officiating call uh, at the end of last night's game against the Houston Rockets, which clearly cost them the game. At the end of regulation, if you remember, it was only about three weeks ago, where Chauncey Billups, the coach of the Portland Trailblazers, was in a scenario when they played Oklahoma City, and they were trying to call timeout. The refs didn't award Billups the timeout, and he threw a you know threw a fit, got teed up, game over, and his team ended up losing the game by a bucket to Oklahoma City. So they went ahead and filed the protest, but the NBA said, sorry, this one is not going to fly. Now, Bobby Marks, front office insider, of course, for us here at ESPN, he says that the last time a protest was actually upheld by the NBA, you got to go all the way back to December the 19th, 2007. And that was when Shaq fouled out with six fouls, because he fouled out with six, but he actually only had five so what they ended up doing was the league said, no, let's replay it again. So it was Atlanta and Miami. They went ahead and played the last 51.9 seconds of overtime when, from when O'Neal fouled out of that game. So think about that. It was just 50 seconds of overtime that they felt warranted enough to go and file the protest to come back and then play the game for less than a minute. Now, this was a little bit different. Right, This is a little bit different. This is a whole overtime period, and again, I don't know what would happen, Knicks win, Knicks lose, but they had the game taken out of their hands. And if you're a team, you're an athlete, a player, a coach, or a competitor, right? at the very least, you just want an opportunity to go out there and compete and try to win the damn game, and the ref said, sorry, not tonight down there in Houston so we'll see what the NBA rules again they're going to have some time on their hands here over the next couple of days with the all-star break fast approaching and and that's you know when you look big picture with this team and where they're at right now you go to Atlanta tomorrow last one before the break and it's a big game you know I mean you look at this Atlanta I mean this Orlando team excuse me they play good at home a lot better than they do on the road This is a team that's only a few games back of the Knicks in the loss column, so you want to continue to at least try to keep them as much of an appreciable distance away from you as you can. But I think more than anything else, this team just needs to get to the break to be able to hit the reset button a little bit. You know, I don't know who's going to be ready to rock and roll next week when they go down to Philadelphia and play the Sixers, but you got to get at least a little bit healthier. I mean, DiVincenzo left the game again last night. With a hamstring. I mean, so that's another guy. And he's listed as questionable for the game tomorrow against Orlando. I I know you just don't want to, like, punt games away. And these guys are getting paid a lot of money and they do want to play. And I'm the first one that's going to sit there and scream when guys take off games for no reasons, for load management and that type of thing. But given the state of the Knicks and where they are right now, with as many banged-up bodies as they have, I mean, when it comes to DiVincenzo, like, if there's any sort of doubt, I almost want to be like, just, just, just take the night off. You know, take a week off and then come back and be as close to 100% as possible after the All-Star break. Because the last thing you want to have happen, God forbid, is like he goes out there, injures the hamstring even worse to then where he's going to miss more time coming out of the break. Because this team can't afford to lose any more bodies, given where they are right now. So it's only been a few games. And Randall's still not going to be ready to play by next week. So it's not like you're going to be 100% healthy. And the same thing with OG Ananobi, because he already went under the knife to have the elbow taken care of. You just wonder where the Knicks are right now. How far are they going to sink in these standings? Now, I'm not sitting here trying to put panic and say that they're going to drop into even, like, play-in-tournament status or anything like that. But you're sitting there in the top four, and a couple of weeks ago, When they had one nine straight, we were thinking about, hey, this team could legitimately be a top two team in the Eastern Conference. But it's one of those, I think you have to look at it big picture, right? This team's going to make the playoffs, and we've already seen when healthy and when whole, even though it wasn't a huge sample size, it would have been nice to have even a greater one, but when whole... You thought that this team is going to be able to play with almost anybody in the Eastern Conference, and I still feel that, right? I still feel that when they get all these banged-up dudes back in the lineup, come playoff time, I wouldn't want to play this team. And the Conference Finals is certainly, certainly still up for grabs there for them as far as getting one of those spots when it's all said and done. 800 is the telephone number. Meantime, down in spring training today, down in Florida... Carlos Mendoza, rookie Met manager, had his first press conference with the opening of camp. David Stearns talked yesterday. Aaron Boone is going to have his presser tomorrow afternoon on the State of the Yankees. And it's interesting because, you know, when you look at these two teams and how they stack up for the upcoming season, like we got into this a little bit on one of the shows last week. I can't remember what day it was. But... Now the football season is in the rear view. And I know that football's always going to be, like, part of the conversation. But baseball's on the horizon. I think the Yankees, for the most part, they're kind of fairly set, right? They've done their heavy lifting for the offseason. You make the big Juan Soto trade, right? You bring in a guy like Marcus Stroman to add to your rotation, so I think the big moves that the Yankees were going to make have been made already. I know they made an offer for Blake Snell. He said, thanks, but no thanks. They moved on. But with some of those names that are still out there, and I'm not saying that you know somebody like a Snell or a Montgomery or Bellinger or anybody like that that's still looking for a job, that they're going to end up playing baseball in this city next year. But even somebody like a J.D. Martinez, who I think would help the Mets considerably. But David Stearns went out there yesterday and told you, no, I think we're good. We like the bats that we have. We're not in the market for another one. It's an odd time in baseball because you have big-name free agents who haven't gotten the contracts that they wanted. And if you want to hold out until, you know, a week before opening day, it's fine by you. You know, you're going to have to weigh the risks one way or the other. But as far as these two teams are concerned in this town, you never know what's going to transpire, right? You look at the Mets last year. Some folks had the Mets going to the World Series with all that veteran makeup they had of the roster, and it was a spectacular disappointment. I know that's a little bit of an oxymoron, but that's what it was with the Mets. Yankees, meantime, they also had as bad a season as you could possibly have, if you're the Yankees. They're worse than three decades. But the outlook is certainly a bit more sunnier this year, and this is coming from a Mets standpoint that They really didn't make any big, splashy moves this offseason. As I said, I think what the Mets are doing this offseason, they're kind of almost taking a page out of what the Dodgers did last offseason. And the Dodgers did not make any big, splashy moves at all last year because they reset their tax number a little bit, knowing full well that this offseason you had Otani, you had the Yamamotos, and they were going to put themselves in striking distance to go big game hunting. And what happened? They got both of those guys. Next year's free agent class in Major League Baseball is a considerable one there's some big names that are a part of it so the Mets who spent like drunken sailors and got nothing to show for it Steve Cohen says well you know what let's take a step back this offseason make some wise moves there's no no bad one-year deals at all and then next year we're going to be ready to rock and roll again and then you're going to see that team with the richest owner in the sport go out there and make some big acquisitions or at least be in a position to make some big acquisitions still doesn't mean that we can't have a good baseball season in this town because I think the Yankees are going to be good and I think the Mets are look you can't be any worse than the Mets were last year even though the payroll's not anywhere near what it was last season with some of the guys in the lineup you know what I still think the Mets could have a good season just got to stay healthy and that goes for the Yankees too that's it for us no shows for us next two nights because we got games. we'll be back with you with a full vehicle on Friday, and we're back some, uh, Saturday morning as well. Islanders next, Grass of Saints along 9870, SPN.